This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Brought to you by Scott's. And a good morning. Uh, Frank Proctor here along with you and uh, Charlie Dubbin. Is my mic not working? It's no. not. It doesn't sound good. No, that doesn't sound good. Okay. I'm going to work I'll out. talk. Uh, okay. Oh, let, we'll let snuggle slide together. Slide way on over here. There we are. Oh, that sounds better. I sound manipulous. <laughs> That's a good I sound, word. I sound loud <laughs> is what it sounds like. Yeah. Well, anyway, hey, welcome along here to the Garden Show. And uh, I can't believe it, Charlie, but this is the last Saturday of August. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. And as you were mentioning, as we were chatting before coming into the studio, it is a busy day in town. I mean, gee whiz, the Buster Fest's on, and of course, the uh, well deserved recognition for Jack Layton uh, and uh, road closures. Uh, ro- for that. Oh, yeah. Um, the CNE closures. is yeah. on still, of course. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and this is the other thing we mentioned. Oh, there's, I know there's a baseball game later today. But I told you, and you didn't know about this one, today as well, yes. from 10 until 3 p.m., you can participate or, or you can go down to the third annual Tommy Thompson Park Butterfly Festival. Okay, so where's the Tommy Thompson Park, you say? It's yes, let me say that. Where's the Tommy Thompson Park? <laughs> it's at number three Leslie Street, just south of the Lakeshore Boulevard East. Uh, so you know where that is, like Leslie Street Spit area. Yes. All right, so Tommy Thompson Park <laughs> is there, and and Big Butterfly Festival. The butterflies are starting to migrate, particularly the yep. monarchs, right? They're starting to head south. <gasps> oh, down yeah, to Mexico. it's at Mexico. Right. That's so here, a fabulous thing, isn't it? Yeah, so here we are, as you pointed out, the end of August. So it, the, the monarchs start there any time around mm-hmm. mid-August. Right through to mid-September, the monarchs go through across Lake Ontario, heading to Mexico, and they do stop off at Tommy Thompson Park because that's got a great little habitat for exactly what they need to bulk up before they head out across the lake. So there are guided walks through the park meadows to view the migrating or migratory butterflies. There's today live bird banding demonstrations by experts. You can learn how to grow a garden to attract and sustain butterflies. You can view insect and butterfly displays. Uh, There are expert entomologists going to be on site to teach you all about butterflies and insects in general. You can also see birds of prey presented by Wild Ontario. And everything is free. Do you know... The subject about monarchs really took me back uh, about 15, 20 years ago. My, uh, Di and I went on a, a trip down to uh, the uh, New England area, mm-hmm. went across Lake Champlain, I mm-hmm, believe it is. Mm-hmm. And as we were about in the middle of the lake, we couldn't believe it. The hordes and hordes of oh, well, butterflies. They these call monarch- them hordes, darling. Well, they no. probably call them like swarms or something. Swarms, yeah. <laughs> uh, hordes of monarch butterflies. Schools of butterflies. No, yeah. there is something. Whatever they are, uh, yeah. yeah, lots. But uh, yeah, but really? half, one after another of, of uh, the whole flock. Right. A flock of monarchs, monarchs. kept going by. And I, I couldn't believe it at first. Yeah. Thing. Look at this. And then another two minutes later, another group. 
Yeah. So it was right in their migratory path. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you were on that ferry, that Lake yeah, Champlain? Yeah, yeah. I've been on beautiful. that too. And so that probably was right around this time of year. Yep. Wow, neat. That's yeah. Neat. So was, you were right there in I the was middle right of the migration. In the migration <laughs> mode. Path, as it were. <laughs> yes. uh, okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> Frank, Frank is just like a really like cool guy. He does everything. Um, he's been everywhere. Uh, all right. So we do have a special guest coming yes. up later on on the half hour. Mark Wheats will be joining us. He's the assistant brand manager with Scott's Canada, and he's going to be talking about Scott's bird food wild bird food and new products and some tips and hints on habitat creation Mm -hmm. uh, to encourage birds in your prop on your property in your neighborhood uh, which is going to be very interesting he's also going to give us some tips on what to do about pesky squirrels well all righty and i noticed that you are vegetable laden i brought brought a few little goodies from my garden my home garden because i mentioned to you last week that i had a few tomatoes uh ripening on the vine and you said well so where are they (laughs) where are they exactly (laughs) i brought some well here they are here they are so i brought i've got four different varieties that i brought and i want you to taste and i've got dave out there who's currently answering the phone also has a couple to taste okay these are small you said to me they look like plum tomatoes yeah they do because they're oblong uh, they are not, they're kind of a cylindrical as opposed to a round yes. tomato, but they're small. Uh, you can have another one if you drop that one. <laughs> no, no, I, I've got it. I retrieved it. <laughs> so you, normally uh, when it comes to little cherry tomatoes, I grow like sweet millions or sweet 100s. Mm-hmm. But these are actually, the name on them was just cluster tomato or vine tomato. So if you think like grapes, that's mm. the same sort of deal, Ex- huh? Exactly. So taste, you've got one in yeah, your hand okay. there. And when mm. Dave's off the phone, he's going to taste and give his uh, oh, very perspective. very firm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very firm flesh. But quite a tasty tomato, not tart. a tart. Oh, really? I find it quite tart. God, did you get one that wasn't quite <laughs> as ripe as it should be? All right. Well, here we'll give you one that maybe is a little lighter. Mm. Oh, uh-huh. it's too early in the morning. <laughs> I think so. Well, I just brushed my teeth too. And oh, well, that doesn't <laughs> go with toothpaste. Oh, yeah, they're really not tart. <laughs> I've but, ruined your experiment. But no, it's okay. No, your taste—it's all in your own sensations, right? All right, so we'll move on from this little one. Dave's going to give us his perspective. Oh, there he's chewing. No, what do you think, Dave? Did he just squint his eyes? Yeah, he is. Yeah, is it? Y- you can talk with your mouth full, Dave. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. They're very sweet. Very sweet. Now, uh, Frank just brushed his teeth, and so yeah. he's finding them very tart. <laughs> Maybe I got a sweet one, though. Uh, you're just a sweet guy. Uh, Thanks, sure. You Dave. played favorites. You played, you gave him the good one. <laughs> I'm going to give the phone numbers here, and we'll get back to the tomatoes. Good idea. Here. Yeah. Right. Okay, phone numbers for The Garden Show and uh, Torture Frank Morning, uh, 416-360-0740 for Toronto, and, and anywhere else in the province, one 866 740 and that's a toll-free line. You don't have to pay a cent just to call through, and we'd love to hear from you. Not tart. It's not tart. No, huh? Huh? no, they're really very delicious. And like I said, I've got three more varieties to to keep tasting as we continue the show. Okay, yeah, you know what? Now that my my taste has become acclimatized, <laughs> your toothpaste tart. is gone. <laughs> <laughs> Gee whiz, right. I ruined your experiment. I'm so sorry. No, 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 because it's fine. <laughs> this is what why we're doing this. Is you know, mm-hmm. t- tasting tomatoes. Why not? They're all different. Everybody's taste is different, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I hate those little buggers. I don't know. All right, we'll put those away. <laughs> Dave obviously likes them. <laughs> okay. Oh, we're ready to go to the uh, phone lines in a moment, right? We've got callers set to go. And I'll offer you my half a tomato to the first caller right after we do these little words. There are 
hundreds of sources for tips on gardening, but you need only one. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin continues. Brought to you by Scott. And I am the sous chef, soon to be demoted, I think, <laughs> Frank Proctor. Yeah, maybe, I love it, Charlie. I'll get Dave to come in here and yeah, be I'm, my sous chef, and you can run the board. Oh, sure. Okay. Okay. Well, Dorothy's no longer in Kansas. She's calling in from Toronto. Hi, Dorothy. Good morning, and welcome to the show. Good morning. Morning. Um, I've just discovered that by back last summer, you or well, I say this summer, you said to cut the bushes, uh, flower in June, so that I get blossoms next year. Mm-hmm. Is okay. that right? Well, we always trim our flowering shrubs after they flower. Yeah. So that, for example, lilacs, which typically bloom in May, we trim them in June, and then we'll have lots of flowers next May. Well, this is little white flowers. Um, I don't know what what you call them. Maybe bridal wreaths or something okay. like that. There are some spirea. There's a spirea called bridal wreath spirea. Okay, they have grown so much mm-hmm. since June because mm-hmm. I've watered them during the heat and mm-hmm. everything else and the rain we've got. Mm-hmm. And I looked out today, and the branches are dripping over. Uh, the, over the fence plus on the ground. Mm-hmm. So if I cut them now, will I still get flowers next spring? Well, so this is a great question, actually, Dorothy. It's exactly why when we do our trimming, we have to envision how much the plant is going to grow so that we won't have to trim it again in before it flowers. So you're faced with that huge dilemma, right? Do I do I trim because I need to because it's messy and it's in you know the walkway? Yeah. Or do I not trim just so I can maintain as many flowers as possible? Ultimately, if if a plant is causing problems for access through the garden or you know getting in the front door, you've got to trim it no matter what the time of year is. Uh, and even now at the end of August, to trim a bridal respirea, the trick is is that the the flowers next year will be on the growth that grew this year. So if you were to trim all that new growth off the bridal wreath spirea that's grown while you were watering it this summer, you'll have fewer flowers next year than than if you didn't trim it. But you have to trim it because you need to be able to, you know, get access down the the pathway. Yes. So, you know, trim the, the absolute bare minimum that you can get away with would be my suggestion. Enjoy them and maximize your number of flowers next year, but trim it harder next year after it flowers than you did this year. Trim it back further. Like, uh, almost like for winter. Well, I mean, I don't know what you mean but for winter, but recognizing that if a plant is going to grow a foot in the growing season, then you've got to give it, take it back, a, you know, a foot to allow that foot of growth to, to uh, emerge so that you don't have to trim it before winter. I see. Okay. Because... Uh, I found it hard uh, when I was cutting the grass without touching the bushes. Yeah. Well, in a bridal wreath, that's the way it... It's called a bridal respirea because it's almost like a waterfall. It it does this flowing uh, shape, which, of course, the flowing branches or cascading branches are covered in white flowers when it's flowering, and it looks like a bridal's... a bride's wreath, um, you know, a bridal... uh, yeah, a wreath or a veil or whatever. It's just got that long, cascading white flowers in June, typically in bride season, wedding season. 
So not to worry. Do what you have to do to get at the lawn and get at the walkways. <laughs> and remember next year when you're trimming, trim it a little further Okay, thanks ever so much. You're welcome. Thank you so Bye. much, Dorothy. I think we're getting a call from a very pretty part of Canada, right around the Kitchener-Waterloo mm-hmm. area, Conestoga Lake, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, Yvonne will confirm that. Hello, Yvonne. How are you this morning? I'm fine, thank you. And am I right, right around Kitchener-Waterloo area? Uh, yes, just north of Kitchener-Waterloo. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, been there and it's lovely. Yes. lovely. Yes. Morning. Good morning. I have a question about a Rose of Sharon. Mm-hmm. I had transplanted uh, uh, two plants from a friend of mine, one to my home, which is near Kitchener-Waterloo, and one here to Conestoga Lake, about six or seven years ago, and it was the purple color. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first year it bloomed purple. The second year it had purple and a little bit of white. And progressively over the years, um, the one at the cottage here has uh, continued to get more and more white blooms on it. On the same branch, there are purple blooms and there are white Hmm. with red centers on Hmm. the same branch. The one at home is only purple. Why is that? Huh. And on the same branch for sure. Like, uh, for sure. I went, I went uh, out this week and I thought, oh, do I have two, two yeah. plants here together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I took someone with me, my daughter, and we looked at it. Yeah. And uh, definitely they are both growing on the same branch. Wow. Hmm. How wacky is that? I mean, I the, the white with the red center. <clears throat> Well, okay, a couple of things happen. I mean, why do certain flowers, and we see this with tulips sometimes too, and gladiolas are famous mm-hmm. for reverting to white. Um, we plant oranges and pinks, and then sure enough, a year or two later, they're coming up white. The, the theory is that the plant reverts to its wild type, to its more original uh, color, and recognizing that we've selected a lot of those pinks and purples and thought they were pretty cool and then cloned the plants or, you know, took cuttings to keep those pinks and purples going, but that sometimes they'll revert back. And nobody really knows why, whether it's soil chemistry, you know, pH of the soil, uh, uh, something that's going on, in, you know, environmentally that can, can sort of spur that plant to go backwards genetically in terms of showing certain colors. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I don't, I couldn't sort of give you a definitive as to why that happens, but I know it does happen for sure. You, you know, that's sort of happened for years and years. And it's interesting that it's gone white with the red center, because white with the red center is a specific variety of Rose of Sharon called um, Bloodheart. Oh, yeah. Um, and it, uh, it's, it, you know, it's lovely. It's a, a really pretty, pretty Rose of Sharon. So um, It's very pretty um, this year. And um, progressively over the years, yeah. the white is dominating. Yeah, so this yeah. year I have more more white than I have purple. Hmm. And I'm thinking that in another two, three years, I won't have any purple at all. Yeah. It'll, it'll all be uh, the white with the red. Not that that's, you know, it's, it's, it's still very pretty. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, that the other same, exact same little shrub is still purple in a different yes. location. Yes, and they're both about the same size. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, they haven't changed locations, and uh, yeah. anyway, I just uh, yeah, yeah. I, I wondered if it was something with the soil too. I I think so. Like if we really wanted to get right down to the the part of it, I think we would find exactly that that it would be uh, something where we would do a bunch of testing on the soil and come up with you know very specific analysis on what's going on that way. That's and that's affecting the coloration of the plant. Okay. But uh, but neat, interesting. Thanks. Okay, thank you. Thanks You're for the call. Welcome. Okay, bye. No, it's nine twenty-two, and uh, we'll be back in just a moment here on the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show. Let me give you those phone numbers one more time here: four one six three six zero zero seven forty, and anywhere else in the province, toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. And I forgot 
our little mantra mm. must repeat that yes patrolman proctor here uh, call call <laughs> oh lord call Hello, early lady. call often one question per call that's the important part okay yes. back in just a couple of moments friends say she's down to earth and that's usually where you'll find her welcome back to the am 740 garden show with charlie dobbin brought to you by scott's and uh, let's say hi and good morning to chuck calling in from oshawa hi good morning chuck Good morning. How are you? Good, thanks. Morning. Good morning, Charlie. Uh, just one question. I have a, uh, a dapple willow, mm-hmm. and it seems to be getting out of control. <laughs> yes. And uh, it's it's quite large. I really didn't expect it to be this large. I've mm. had them before, but I just really wanted to know uh, when you should trim them back. I didn't want to do it in the heat. Right. No, that's a good idea. And is it a shrub or a tree form? I, I believe it's... I thought I was buying a shrub, but it more, looks more like a tree now. Oh, uh, okay. So does it... When, when, the difference between a shrub and a tree is the number of stems coming out of the base. So right. if it's a tree form, and they are trained up as a tree form with a single stem, and then a big sort of mass of beautiful foliage above that, or a shrub which is multi-stemmed right from the base. Uh, I'm looking at it now, to tell you the truth, because I'm out on my deck, mm-hmm. and uh, it looks like there's uh, uh, two or three stems coming out of the bottom. Okay. Do you prefer it to be a tree, or do you want it to be a shrub? Well, I would really uh, like to have it as a shrub more than anything. Okay. So what you're going to do with that plant is you're going to give it a, a severe haircut. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and the question, the, the cool thing about dappled willow is, okay, it's a willow, so it grows very quickly, as, as you are telling us. But when the new growth comes out on this plant, it's very pretty because it's white and it's pink and it's bright green and it's, you know, it's just like a stained glass window. It's really, really very attractive. Absolutely. So the question is, when do you do all that trimming to get that, that massive new growth? Now, if you can wait till next spring, that's what I would do. Next spring? Yeah, and okay. I would give it, like I say, a, like, if you want to take it down to half its current size, like a, a haircut down to half the size, okay. go for it. Okay. Uh, next spring, uh, you know, April maybe, early May. And the new growth that will flush out from that all that pruning will be very bright and very cheerful. And then don't hesitate to give it a sort of a fine trimming maybe a month later just to kind of tidy it up. Okay, that's great. Okay. You Thank want, you very you, much. Yeah, you want to keep that new growth coming on that plant because that's what's the real ornamental value. Right. Thanks for your call. You're very welcome. You guys have a great weekend. Thank, Thank you. you very much, Chuck. And thanks for joining the show, You're the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show from AM740 Zoomer Radio. Hey, very, right here. very cool. Right here in our shoe. <laughs> so speaking yes. of Oshawa, Chuck, yes. Chuck was just calling us from Oshawa. One of our listeners, her name is Nancy Jays from Oshawa, mm-hmm. uh, actually contacted me and I went out and did uh, some consulting for her in her garden. And when I was there, it was early in the season, she had a lot of little tomato seedlings started and um, she offered me to a couple of these little seedlings right. to take home. She didn't know exactly what the variety was. She referred to them as some Russian tomatoes, which isn't that unusual because yeah. Russia had a, has a long, long history of breeding plants and particularly uh, you know, vegetable crops. That would be indigenous only to Russia? Well, not so much indigenous, but that would be selected to grow well in those oh, conditions. Okay. So long days, because yeah. of course we have much longer days in Canada than they do down in you know the Carolinas, for example, just because of our you know latitude and longitudinal uh, the way the sun works. So <laughs> it was very neatly well, handled. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was really good. So uh, so anyway, Nancy sent me home with a couple of little right. tomato cuttings, which I put into my brand new tomato garden, right. and they grew up. And it's really interesting what these tomatoes are. I brought one to show you. 
Uh, I'm not. We're not going to cut into this one because I think you're going to take this home. Die is a big tomato fan. Yes, she I is. I think she's going to yeah. enjoy this. It's wow. I That's think a big tomato. I know, and it's a really gnarly looking thing too. It's pink. It's mm-hmm. not. It's not a, a deep red. It's a. It's a kind of a rosy pink color. Exactly right. Yeah. Uh, it's quite sweet, but of course, maybe not for you. Uh, I think Die will enjoy <laughs> it, if, even if you don't. But all of them are. They're big. They're beefsteak kind of size. I looked on the internet just to see what was there under pink Russian tomatoes, yeah. and there's a lot of different ones. But I have a feeling, based on what I was reading, there is one called Pink Russian 117, that this might be a Pink Russian 117. I'm not sure. Sounds like a U-boat. <laughs> I know, exactly. <laughs> well, but you know something, uh, and, and it's oddly shaped, very, as you say, gnarly, yeah. almost yeah. looks like it's segmented, yeah. uh, like orange uh, orange. Uh, yeah, this, pieces, you know, uh, but w- wow, it's kind of yeah. cool. Anyway, so anyway, well, I will I, enjoy. Uh, as will I. I mean, I like a tomato. Sandwich. Oh, I know. Now it's too late <laughs> yeah, after <you>. poo pooing your <laughs> little brown red bombers there. <laughs> red bombers. And Dave thought they were really yeah, good. Yeah, I know Dave. Well, he probably like that. <laughs> no, Don't give it to him. Mike. No, I'm going to send this home with you. So that's a pink <laughs> Russian. Thank you to Nancy Jays for giving me the seedlings, and um, I'm yeah, just wanting to kind of showcase some of these lovely tomatoes that have been coming up in my garden. And you know, obviously, Nancy gave me a couple plants, which was very cool. And next, we're going to try a green zebra. Oh, I, all right. I'm up for that. Oh, for yeah. sure you are. It's going to be, they're going to be sweet, too. <laughs> all right. And now it's time to talk to our special guest. The following segment is sponsored by today's featured guest on the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Good morning, Mark. Hey, good morning, Charlie. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Great. It's great to be on the show this morning. And this is Frank Proctor. Hello, Mark. How are you? I'm great, Frank. Nice to meet you. Nice Uh, to meet you, too. Mark is the assistant brand manager of Scots Canada. And one of the things he looks after and is very involved in is the wild bird seed, bird food, and all to do with wild birds. So um, Mark's going to give us some updates on what's new coming from Scots this fall. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Thanks very much, Charlie. So this year, Scots launched two exciting new bird food products. Um, two products are called Scott's Colorful Bird Blend and Scott's Wild Finch and Small Songbird. Mm-hmm. And uh, the products are unique because they are guaranteed to attract two times more colorful birds to your feeder. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, up to 70% less fewer blackbirds, grackles, and cowbirds. So how do they do that? How do they keep out the grackles and cowbirds? Well, yeah, the grackles and cowbirds are the ones that basically... Eat, eat up all your bird food and at the same time scare away about all the other birds. The ones we like, the pretty ones. Exactly, exactly. So our team of ornithologists out of our home office in Marysville, Ohio, worked with leading universities across, uh, across North America to develop, to develop these patented formulas. Mm. I can't really tell you what goes in them, but like you asked, I can tell you a little bit about how they work. Wild finch and small songbird uh, was developed so that the birds those scavenger birds that I discussed earlier would have a difficult time seeing the seed blend. And they use scientific methods to see how these birds view different objects and create a seed blend that was just difficult for them to see. Hmm, cool idea. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, a, it's a brand new um, way to approach uh, um, creating bird seeds. So with the wild finch and small songbird blend, they optimize the seed blend by adding different seeds and one particular seed is red millet, and when used in the right proportions, is highly attractive to goldfinches. Mm. And the other product, Colorful Bird Blend, was developed in such a way that the seeds and berries contain carotenoids. And carotenoids are used by birds to create their beautiful, colorful feathers, mm. and they use that to attract a mate. So naturally, 
uh, this seed blend is really uh, appealing to those types of birds. I love the finches. Going yeah. back to the finches for a second. They're so, like, uh, Mark and I are almost neighbors. Eh? He doesn't live that far from me. Do you get finches in your neighborhood? Do you see yeah. them going yeah, through? Absolutely. I was just outside this morning watching the goldfinches yeah. I, I eat in our backyard eat the thistle seed off of the, uh, the thistle stalk in our backyard. Oh, there you go. So, you, yeah, you, I imagine you're testing all these things in your backyard. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, my wife and I have an apartment in St. Catharines, and uh, we're on the third uh, floor. So, and I've been thinking, uh, and Charlie has given me the devil for feeding the squirrels, so I've, I've stopped feeding the squirrels. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I have, because mm. they were they were starting to get up there, too many of them, yeah. uh, fighting over the, 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 the one penis peanut. to shell. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and I've been really giving serious thought, uh, Mark, to uh, having a little birdhouse out there. Sure. Now, uh, I'm sure a there are... A little bird feeder. Yeah, know. a little bird feeder. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, Absolutely. So, if you were to put up um, a feeder and and feed the wild birds. Uh, Scott's has a wide variety of products that you can select from, um, including uh, straight seed like uh, black oil sunflower to specialty blends and snacks and treats. And if you're looking to do something from, uh, from your balcony, mm-hmm. I might suggest using a no-waste product, and it's a popular blend of, of seed mm-hmm. uh, made by Scott's that doesn't have any hulls or seeds. Or, or shells. shells. Or so hulls. you don't wind up with a big mess. Exactly. Yeah. It's really good. Mm-hmm. It works really well. The no waste. I've tried it before. Yeah, and it contains uh, hulled millet, shelled peanuts, and cracked corn. And it's perfect for patios, uh, mm-hmm. balconies, or decks, or any other entertaining areas. Oh, that's or great. even where, like, I have feeders in my garden, and if, you know, all the shells drop down, and it kills the plants below, and you yeah. have to clean it up, and it's all disgusting smelling <laughs> when yeah. you clean it up, because it's all wet and moldy. So, it, the the um, the no waste is great, and if you're yeah. hungry when you're outside, you can just have, a, you know, it's just there, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's good for everybody, right? <laughs> and, and, Charlie, an interesting note is that if you were to actually add mulch below your feeder, mm-hmm. uh, the mulch would really protect the... Uh, the, the seed when it falls to the ground, so there's a less of a chance of weeds developing. Yeah, but growing. The, when, the, when the shells fall to the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or when the millet falls to the ground and yeah. starts growing. <laughs> exactly. Or even sunflowers, yeah. That, any of it can grow when it drops down. This has given me a great afternoon already. When I get home, I'm going to have a bowl of that bird seed <laughs> and a beer and just have a great time on the balcony. <laughs> okay, no, but honestly, yeah. to thinking about, like Frank's a good example. A balcony dweller, you're thinking about a bird feeder. Mark's recommending the no waste, yep. which is totally, I think, a best suggestion. But then there's more than that. You you can't just feed the birds. You got to think about the full the full setup. I mean, birds yep. have to be comfortable to even come to your balcony. They feel very exposed just sitting out, in, out mm-hmm. in the, on the railing like yeah. that. So yeah, what absolutely. are the other things? So, uh, shelter is an important point. And uh, Frank, as you mentioned, you might want to put a birdhouse out there. And a birdhouse provides year-round protection against the harsh weather and predators. Yeah. And you can also have, like Charlie had mentioned, plant some evergreens in your backyard so that, um, or shrubs so that you can provide protection for the birds. And then other pieces, other pieces really come into play. So a lot of people don't do this, but adding water to your backyard in the form of a water dish placed near the ground is, is also very important. It provides a source of water for birds for bathing and drinking. Mm-hmm. It's true. Bird, well, yeah. bird baths kind of went out of vogue when the whole West Nile virus thing hit. Yeah, oh, don't uh, let the mosquitoes get on there. That's right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. yet I've kept, I have both front and backyard bird baths. And all I do is run, you know, run the hose every three or four days. Yep. And so swoosh out the old water, uh, put in some new water. 
but quite often when it's hot and sunny, there's no water anyway. It all evaporates. Exactly. And the birds drink it, and they're so cute to watch when they're bathing. I yeah. love watching birds. And they'll do it in the spring when there's still ice in the bird bath. They'll kind of break, you know, a, a hole in the ice and then get their little bodies in there and have a bath. It's yeah, and watch the, you know, I just love funny. watching them. We get the little back scratcher going there, you know, with the sponge. And, the oh. toweling off is the best. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, they're very sweet. I like it when they this do that. This sounds like a marvelous program, though, developed by Scott's. Really, uh, in the research uh, and development of this must have been... How long has that been going on? I mean, is this relatively new or...? Uh, yeah, well, Scott's is, Scott's is well-known for the lawn and garden categories. We have popular brands such as Scott's Turf Builder and miracle Grow, um, And Scott's has been in the bird food business for since 2005. So it's and not all that long, really. Mm-hmm. No, no when not, you think not about long it. in comparison to um, the lawn and garden yeah, categories. Yeah. But we've developed, um, it was just really a natural fit with lawn and garden. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, when, uh, one interesting fact is that 80% of bird feeders are actually gardeners as well. Mm-hmm. And it's just a natural fit for many gardeners. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have a, 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 gar- a garden in your backyard, one of the benefits is just attracting beautiful songbirds into your garden. It, it, uh, it becomes great. a bit of a lifestyle, doesn't it? It's, you know, you're not out there in the winter, but you're certainly looking out at your garden in the winter, and to have the, the beauty of the birds fluttering in and out is, is just the best. Um, so, which brings up a good point, Mark. Do you recommend really concentrating on feeding birds in the winter only, or would you recommend feeding year-round? Oh, that's a great question, Charlie. Uh, we recommend feeding year-round, and um, the winter is a great time to feed because food sources are nat- natural food sources are often scarce. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, during the winter, feeding a steady diet of nutritious, high-fat seeds like a black oil sunflower is really important. It keeps the bird's feathers in great shape and also keeps their metabolism high, which is needed during the cold days and nights of the mm-hmm. winter. Mm-hmm. And what if and- I'm going away on holidays, though? Oh, For yeah, well, month. Uh, it's important, basically, if you're going to go away... Uh, keep the keep the feeder stocked over the winter time. Ask a neighbor um, to fill the feeder when it seems to be getting low, mm-hmm. and just continue to feed the birds as often as you can. Mm-hmm. But don't worry too much if you miss a day or two. Yeah, well, uh, I'll tell you, I, I can't keep up with the birds. When I start feeding them that Scott's bird food, I mean, it's it feels like two hours goes by and it's gone. <laughs> like, like They really, they really it. like yeah. it. Yeah, and especially <laughs> this time of year when you see so many beautiful, colorful birds out in the in the spring and the summer. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, it's it's good to have. Now, the one thing sometimes people have issues with is squirrels. What do you recommend people do about squirrels if they also want to feed the birds? Well, like Frank, I guess you can you can feed them and maybe put out some uh, squirrel and small animal made by Scott in a separate area than you would have, uh, let's say, your tube feeder for the finches or your mm-hmm. songbirds. Mm-hmm. So create a separate area in your garden to feed squirrels. Um, and, you know, our squirrel and small animal, small animal blend really appeals to, to them, corns, peanuts, and sunflower seeds. So they'll stay away from the rest of your feeders. The other option is if you have pests like squirrels, to, um, to hang it on a feeder pole and have a squirrel baffle, and squirrels will have a hard time to climb up that feeder pole mm-hmm. and around the baffle getting to your squirrel feeder. Um, keep them as far as away as you can from some of the branches so that mm-hmm. they can't jump off the branches onto the feeders. Mm-hmm. And lastly, there are tons of options available for feeders. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, really good feeder, 
squirrel-proof feeder will really go a long way. That's a good idea. Yeah. It's almost a, a diversionary tact mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. keep the squirrels and other small guys away from the birds. Yeah. Well, Absolutely. and it only makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody should have a little bit of space in the garden, right? Yeah. You know, there's you you can't beat the squirrels. You might as well get along with mm-hmm. them, and yeah, they might just stay in their corner and leave the birds alone in their corner. That's that's the theory, anyway. <laughs> hey, that's really interesting stuff, Mark. Thank you very much for a lot of the tips there. I'm going to employ some of that. Yeah, thanks so much, Mark. No problem, and, and really appreciate being on the show. And if any of your listeners are interested in picking up uh, Scott's product, you can find it in any major retailer selling mm-hmm. uh, bird food. Okay, and they can learn more on the web. Is there an actual designated website, Scott's yeah, absolutely. Wild Scott's Bird? wildbirdfood.ca. There you go. You can find lots of info, information on feeding birds and uh, all the Scott's products have to offer. Perfect. Great. Thanks for being a guest on the show. We enjoyed it. Thanks, Thanks very Mark. Much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Hey, nice guy. And, yeah, uh, what a sweetie, Obviously, eh? right, right into the job, boy. Oh, he, boy, he's keen. He's <laughs> young, eh? Well, that's great. Yeah, it's very, it's, yeah, he's young, like a newlywed. He's got a little house not too far from me, and I can just see him out there testing all these products. <laughs> <laughs> so. I'm looking at the clock here now, and it's 941. Yes. And uh, at some point before uh, we give up our space to Dave's Corner Garage guys, you got to, uh, let me try this. Um, green Very zebra. green zebra. Tomato. Well, it's not very green. It's green with really yeah. cool coloration. Almost lime green in spots. Well, it's supposed but, to be. It's green and, and lime green stripes. But there have been folks waiting on the line, uh, and I know that uh, Joanne from Fenland Falls is waiting to chat with us. We'll do that right after these words. You supply the what and where, and she'll come through with the how. You're listening to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, brought to you by Scott's. And I'm Frank Proctor, the sous chef of the garden, welcoming Joanne from Fenland Falls to the line. Hi, good morning. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Charlie. Morning, Joanne. I'm calling about a trumpet vine. Mm-hmm. I've had it for, well, I guess nine years now I planted it. This year it bloomed. Oh, cool. But it is everywhere. <laughs> like, I mean, up the TV antenna, up the house, all over the lawn. <laughs> You're going to say that. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid to cut it because it took so long to get the flowers. Actually, uh, you'd be amazed. Like, cutting, I mean, what I would do is wait until uh, we get some frost. Like, wait another, you know, whatever, month or so. Right. And then don't hesitate. Go in there and cut everything off. I mean, you don't need to go up the antenna necessarily, unless it is going to interfere with the television reception this oh, no, winter it's just, it's there just there with nothing on it yeah so actually it's great thing the antenna is the best thing yes. to grow it on right yeah but is. yeah if it's in the lawn and stuff i would cut that all the way this fall and then next spring stay on top of it keep an eye on it get you don't want it don't be afraid to cut it back if it's growing in directions you don't want it to go okay okay and it's it's a very vigorous plant yes it is and yes. i'm glad it flowered for you because it does take a number of years it usually does, yes it, it flowered one year about four years ago, because we transplanted it from someplace else. Mm-hmm. So, of course, it stunted that growth, right, for a few years. Mm-hmm. Then it, it grew that about four years ago, it had two flowers on it. It mm. wasn't very big. But this year, I don't know. I think it'll be over to my neighbors shortly. <laughs> well, people do start well, having nightmares about plants like that. I, yeah. I had a laugh, Joanne, when when it popped up on our monitor here that pruning a trumpet vine was the subject you'd like to talk about. Charlie said, uh-oh, get a chainsaw. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't stop the growth of the flowers, Charlie? Uh, well, the, the trick is prune it early in the spring. Early in the spring. And then, of course... Try again, this goes back to, you know, Dorothy who called right off the bat there at the beginning of the show. Try 
try and envision where it's going to grow next, which is a bit tough, but still try and envision so that you can be cutting it back enough that you won't have to be cutting it again in June when the flower buds should be forming. Okay. Okay. So yeah, in April or May, get out your chainsaw. Because it's in full bloom now. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. You don't want to do it now. No, no. If you don't have to anyway. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks You're for welcome. calling. Bye bye. Okay. Another beautiful part of the province there, Fenland Falls. I know. Yeah. Imagine living in Fenland Falls. Well, I used to have a cottage up there. And, I oh, knew. Real pretty. Kick myself now and again. I bet. I bet. <laughs> However, we, we're on to another subject matter here a Rose of Sharon, Jane in Scarborough on the line. Good morning and welcome to the show, Jane. Uh, good morning, Frank and Charlie. Morning, Jane. Um, my. Problem with my roses, Sharon, is the babies. It keeps coming up all over everywhere, Aww. and I wondered what could I do to stop that. Well, okay, so the babies are coming up because seeds are dropping, and the babies are coming up from seeds. So it, right now it's in full flower. Yes. And once the flowers are finished, the little fruits or the seed pods are still going to be hanging on the on the rose of Sharon. Yes. As the fall continues, those little seed pods will mature and then they'll pop open and release a whole bunch of seeds. I see. So you could I, I'm not a big fan of pruning Rose of Sharon in the fall. If 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 you can avoid it, it's usually better to prune it in the spring. Yeah. But if you're just that inundated with seedlings, then that might be your best bet. Is just wait until we've had a couple of good frosts. Most of the flowers are all pretty much toast. They're dried up and and gone, and then just give the plant a, a, like shear it down, bring it down by depending on the size. No more than a third can be cut off uh, in the fall, but but don't hesitate to do a, a, a bit of pruning to remove a lot of those seed pods, and you'll eliminate a lot of those little seedlings next spring. I see. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. I, by the way, my t- tree out the front. Mm-hmm. It's also a two-color one, a white and a purple. Oh, there you go. Hey, you know, I've yeah. seen that few of those like that this year, that, that were single-color plants. All of a sudden this year I've seen double colors. I wonder if that cold, wet swing, spring and then that hot summer had something to do with coloration on the Rose of Sharon this year. Because, yeah, it sounds like it's it, it hasn't been that normal, and all of a sudden it's happening a whole bunch. I, I just wondered if it was, if if, you know, two of the babies had just grown... Two different colors. Yeah, except theoretically, they should be the same color as the mama. Yeah. Right? Like if the mama's pink, the babies should be pink. You don't usually get a different colored uh, baby, Rosa Sharon, off of the, the no. mother. So, because yeah, they are pollinating themselves. So it's, yeah, you, you know, I have a feeling that there's just some multicoloration all going on on the same shrubs. And yeah, it could be environmental, it could be soil based, could be a, an amalgamation of all of it. Well, thank you You're very, very, welcome. very much. Thanks for joining us here in the Garden Show from AM740 and sharing part of your uh, weekend with us. Uh, we'll be back, as a matter of fact, to uh, have a chat about, oh, oh, I'm going to put the uh, doctor's hat on uh, Charlie because we've got a sick hydrangea we're going to try and cure. We <laughs> are going to try and cure. <clears throat> Dr. Proctor here yes. helping out. in the Patrolman uh, Proctor. Yes, yes. <laughs> we'll be along to talk to uh, Marie from Brampton in a, a moment. Man, man with many different hats. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> there are hundreds of sources for tips on gardening, but you need only one. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin continues. Brought to you by Scott's. Let's say hi to Mary in Brampton, who has a sick hydrangea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, morning. Mary, what's going on? Good morning. Um, I have an ever-booming hydrangea that I transplanted last uh, spring, 
<clears throat> the foliage is very nice, but the flowers themselves are not doing well. First of all, they came up kind of whitish. They're dying back, the flowers themselves. They never turn pink, and I did put lime in there, you know, to change the pH. What do you suggest I'm doing wrong? Uh, okay, so is it one of the hydrangeas called Endless Summer? Yes, it is. Right, so the idea is that it starts to bloom in June, and it should just continue to bloom on and off right through the entire summer. Uh, could water have been a limiting factor this summer? Well, I have tried. When I've noticed that the foliage has been drooping, I have watered it. Mm-hmm. How much sun do you think it gets on a I daily? I don't think it's getting as much sun as it would like because it's in between a burning bush mm-hmm. and a lilac that are kind of dwarfing it. But it does get sun because the, the, the lilac bloom beautifully mm-hmm. and the b- burning bush is healthy. Yeah, and of course the hydrangea is quite a bit smaller than both yeah. of those shrubs. But they do grow. Yeah, okay, so uh, what I would do... Keep in mind that if you just transplanted it, the, the hydrangea, last spring, it is get, just getting its roots established. So you've got to be a little bit patient when we transplant or plant plants. That The first year is never the best year. Uh, I know my endless summer last year didn't, I think it had one flower on it in the entire summer, and I too had transplanted mine earlier that same season. Whereas this year, it's like covered, you know, 11, 20 flowers. Now, they do not last forever. They do start to fade and, and get the, more bleached out. You know, they pale, yeah, yeah, turn but, pale. but they're dying back. The, the flowers themselves have mm-hmm. turned brown. Yeah, and, and again, that you know what? That's probably more an indication of, of drought. Because hydra- we often dry the hydrangea mm-hmm. blossoms because they do turn that bronzy uh, brown. I had uh, that last year. They were lovely. Yeah, and they'll they'll hang on to the plant all winter uh, unless it gets super windy. They're quite ornamental even in the winter. So I tend to leave the flowers there t- until the spring, and then I cut off whatever's left. A quick question about the lime: mm-hmm. Is there a specific type of lime, a lime that should be used? Because I, I have two different kinds, and I'm saying, uh oh, which one is right? Okay, so there's it's called horticultural lime. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what you would use around the base of the plant. Though typically you don't need to add lime to our soils. Our soils tend to be quite um, limestone based. So it's when we want to make them blue, our hydrangeas blue that we start adding sulfur to acidify the soil. Last year they started blue. I added the lime and uh, it became pink. Oh, okay. So you were trying to force the pink. All right. So for, what I would do for now is don't do any more lime at all this year, obviously. I wouldn't even put any next spring necessarily. What I would do is get some compost around the plant next spring. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you'll do some cutting back. You'll cut back all the branches down to live growth in the spring, which might mean it's only about eight inches tall. So you'll cut everything back. Back, get some nice uh, compost, either composted manure or triple mix or homemade compost around the base because you really have to help with water retention around hydrangeas. Oh, okay. And even mulch at the base after that and leave it alone. You can fertilize next spring, but hold back on the lime and see what happens. I wouldn't add any more lime until I've done a pH test. I wish your show was more than once a week. I would really like it more. <laughs> uh, it's fun. Mary, do, do, I, do I detect a little accent there that uh, it sounds to me like uh, you come from uh, the the Buffalo area. No, I come from New York City. Yeah, New, New York, York City. Okay, yeah, I, I picked up something Bronx. there. Yeah, well, I'm deli- we're delighted to have you on the show. Yeah, uh, I'm, transplanted. I'm delighted to, hit, to you know to turn it on once a week. Uh, be better. Thank you so much. Well, you know, you can always go back and listen to the podcast if you're wanting to hear more. If you miss anything on the show, 
uh, we uh, the Garden Show is on iTunes, totally free. Download and enjoy the show anytime you want when we're not on the air live. Okay, thank you. Have a good holiday. Thanks you bet. so much, Mary. You too. Bye bye now. Nine fifty six. The All time right. and time enough here. I just was going to say now I've sliced up the green zebra tomato mm-hmm. that I brought in. Okay. Do you want me to actually just give you? Yes. I'll cut it smaller. Oh, thank and you I don't very want to see my... any like. Don't tell me it's not sweet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm mm. kidding. And Dave's got his piece. How, oh, how'd no. it go? He like see mm. thumbs up from Dave. No, oh, that is very good. It kind of looks like a good. kiwi, doesn't mm-hmm. it? it, yeah, it's it does. Mm. That is really oh, good. Oh. I have to bring you like serviettes. <laughs> well, I'm <laughs> dripping all this stuff over. Mm. Okay, so the funny thing about this mm-hmm. tomato is oh, I good. planted it. I do like odd tomatoes. So I planted it, all these tomatoes around it. All the plants, are, the fruit is turning red. And I'm thinking, isn't it kind of odd? There must be like 50 tomatoes hanging on this plant, but they're all still green. So then I go down and I, I pull the tag. Cause, you know, I, I yeah. kept the tag, right? Pull the tag. I look at it. It says green zebra. And I went... <laughs> Oh my gosh, this is supposed to be a green tomato. <laughs> so then I started feeling them because you can't tell when they're ripe. They look exactly the same, but they're hard as rock or they've got a little bit of softness to them. Yeah. So that's how I'm figuring. Well, that's about perfect there. When, yeah, yeah, when to, to uh, pick is very juicy. On the, as um, you can see from the spots on my shirt. But <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing we're on radio. And, and I see you've, you've ringed our buddy, uh, David Gaskin, I, whom I've now, uh, I'm going to call him Gaskin the guinea pig from here on in, because <laughs> he's, he's game for anything, you know? I know. He's good. And he likes my tomatoes. And, and you like that one, David? Yes? Mm. And your description of it would be sweet? Uh, I, I don't ever want to buy them at supermarkets again. They're so good. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> in other words, he's angling for more free tomatoes uh, from I you. I think he just wants to come and move in with me Why or that, something. That guy is so smooth, I'm <laughs> telling you. Mm. He is smooth. Well, do we have time for one more? No. I wonder. Okay, well, well we can make it kind of quick, maybe. maybe. Uh, Wayne in Woodville, asparagus, you say? Hello. Morning. Yeah, hi. Morning, Wayne. We have like a minute left. Okay, so. just a quick question on mm-hmm. asparagus. Now, my asparagus, uh, I don't maybe I had it for a few years, but now we have a. Uh, it'll grow up uh, just like you'd buy in the store, and then there's other ones come up there, and they'd be oh uh, an inch, an inch and a half across, and only so I don't know whether it's getting too old, or what it, uh, should cut it off or dig it up or what. Huh. That's interesting. So you get little, like the little fingerling sprouts that we love and eat, but yeah. then you get some that are like an inch and a half. Yeah. Wow, it's a, like a bamboo tree almost. And they go off about maybe, you know, six or eight inches high, but then they got the, a big head on them, like, you know, the flowery end, yeah. and, you know, and they're big around, so I don't know. It's... And then the fern grows, and the, and so, you know what, I let me look into that. Let me see if I can report back next year, next week what I would uh, would do with that, because I've never seen that either, where you get, you know, uh, stems on your spirits yeah, coming up. Yeah, I got it in clumps, like, so I can rototiller around on each side of it, like, mm-hmm. you want to keep the weeds down and up. Yeah. Wow. You know, you get the dandelions growing in it, too. It's mm-hmm. hard to keep clean, but, uh, like, now, uh, should I... Uh, they got the little round berries on it. Yep. Like you just let that go. And then let it go. In time, cut it off. Yes, exactly. And meanwhile, those little berries have seeds, and more asparagus could potentially grow from those seeds. But you don't really care if it does or not. You've got lots of asparagus as it is. But let me report back next week, see if I can suggest what to do with the, the big, huge stems that you're experiencing. Yeah, okay then. All right. Thanks, Thanks for tuning in. Wayne. Okay. And we'll be talking to you next week. We will. Obviously, because he's going to be hanging by for that answer. Well, I don't Charlie, uh, we've had a number of interesting calls, and, and your guest today was terrific, yeah. offering up some great uh, tips bird, bird feeding tips. I yeah. know, and I love feeding the birds, so I'm, I'm going to be, you know, I do it in the winter. Yep. 
Uh, and there's a lot to eat in my yard in the summer. And unfortunately, my kitty cat can, cl- you know, fly over tall buildings. <laughs> so the last thing I want to do is bring, you know, encourage more birds in the summer. Yeah. <laughs> well, you have yourself a wonderful week. I'll be Thank back at you. 11 o'clock. I know the boys from Dave's Corner Garage are getting set to go. And you've got and lots going on in your show. Yes, I do. And lots going on in the city. Tons of great music. Excellent. All Well, enjoy your week. Thank you so much for being the best sous chef. David, thank you. And thanks, David, for being the best tomato taster. See you next week. <laughs> this has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.